hello and welcome to Breakfast All Day. How's it going? Christy Lemire here. Just me this week. Alonzo's feeling a little under the weather, but I am so lucky because my fantastic friend Katie Walsh is here from Tribune News Service to help out with a couple of quick film reviews. So thanks for hanging out. The spectacular Katie Walsh is back with me to review 3,000 Years of Longing. And we're going to need 3,000 years to describe what all happens. Um, But first, got to remind you, if you've not subscribed yet, we'd love to have you stick around with us as we do movie news and reviews and have great friends like Katie come and uh, share their wisdom from time to time. So if you've not done it, please hit the button. We'd love to have you as we grow the channel. But now Katie will describe to you what happens in George Miller's follow-up to Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, if you're expecting anything like Mad Max Fury Road, you're not going to get it. (laughs) And that's what I think is really interesting about George Miller. Like he has such a varied career. He's done Babe Pig in the City. He's done The Witches of Eastwick. He's done Happy Feet. But this is like a really philosophical um, sort of interesting film that's about storytelling and humanity and human desire and wishes. And it's sort of a nested Russian doll of a story. We have this um, story within a story, which is um, Tilda Swinton plays a narratologist who goes to a conference in Turkey. She buys a little trinket in a gift shop and out comes a djinn, played by Idris Elba, which is sort of like a genie. And he uh, offers her three wishes and she declines them because she says that usually these stories are a cautionary tale. So then he starts to tell her all about his 3,000 years of being trapped in the bottle and the different people that he's encountered along the way. And then she, through that process of him telling her his life story, she sort of decides that her purpose in life is to love him. And then they sort of start this life together. I, I mean, I don't even know how much more I should go into, but it's really like a, a film about storytelling and what makes us human. This is spectacular from a visual perspective, from a technical perspective. I was constantly dazzled by it in ways that are big and small. John Seal, who was a cinematographer on Fury Road, he shot it. Margaret Sixel, who's the editor, who won an Oscar for that, edited it. Junkie XL does the music again. Like a lot of the pieces are in place from that previous film. I think it'd be impossible for him to follow that up with anything that, that does not feel like a letdown because. Fury Road is such a masterpiece because it's so game changing and so like generation defining in a lot of ways. Um, I This feels like a huge letdown and it's, it's such a different film. I admire that he's trying to do something different here. But for a movie that is about storytelling, the storytelling is surprisingly dull. Like yeah. all, all three of the tales that Idris Elba tells her, like they're just kind of a slog. Like maybe they have some magical details here and there, but the the really interesting and defining and detrimental contrast for me with this one is that whereas like Fury Road could have been a silent film, right? Like you could have followed that and know what was going on without a bit of dialogue because the visuals are so vivid and so propulsive, just the way it moves and just the texture of it. Like you could follow that and know what's happening without hearing a bit of dialogue. This is all telling. This is all Idris Elba narrating and explaining to you what you're already seeing on the screen and perhaps what you know he can fill in behind the scenes. 
and it's so dull. I was I was really taken aback by what a step back this feels like by comparison. I don't really know what he's going for either. Do you know what what do you think he is going for ultimately? I mean, I think that's the thing is like well, first of all, I'll just say like he's filming Furiosa right now. Yeah. And <laughs> if you want to take a break from the Namibian desert, <laughs> going to a Turkish hotel room right. with Tilda Swinton and Idris Elba just like sitting around in cozy hotel robes, like telling stories, it makes sense. <laughs> That's all, you know, and, and I, I kind of appreciate that he, um, is doing something so different. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I do feel like it is in line with his oeuvre in terms of like talking about humanity and desire and like what makes us human. But in this very cerebral, very, very heady way. And I, I, I agree with you that I don't think that it leaves you with any concrete answers about what we're supposed to take away from this. Um, and so it kind of just leaves you adrift with a lot of like really provocative, interesting questions. And then maybe you can put things together on your own um, as to what we're supposed to take away from it, but it's not, it kind of leaves you without something to hold on to. I do think that this film has like more interesting things to say about storytelling and humanity and nuance in like a tossed off line mm -hmm. than most films do and but i almost was like wait no go back to that idea like she's mm -hmm. giving a presentation at the storytelling conference and i'm like wait that's so fascinating like i actually want to like rest there for a minute and then it's just like on to the next thing and mm -hmm. and so i do think that there are a lot of really interesting ideas but i will say this is not a movie i would ever watch again <laughs> But it, but this, I think he wants you to watch it again is the thing because it's so dense visually. Right. It There's is so many dense, little yes. little knickknacks and like things in the corners and the colors and it's constantly moving. Um, but I'm with you. Like I don't want to watch this again. This didn't move me, and a lot of that is because that central relationship between Tilda Swinton and Idris Elba never resonated for me. It's amazing no. how little chemistry they have given right. what thrilling actors they both are and what chances they usually take and the idea of them together as you say hanging out in cozy bathrobes <laughs> just talking I kind of would like to have the movie of them in the hotel room in cozy bathrobes ordering room service and just yes. hanging out I'd rather and have thought, that <laughs> yeah and I thought Idris was really really good like his performance is really good which I had seen Beast the night before which I right? thought was really bad <laughs> the acting and it was horrible and he's I was like oh great he's like he's still he's still good <laughs> Idris is still good but um yeah it's a, just it's a weird movie I don't think that people who are going in with like Fury Road fire are are gonna be happy <laughs> right. but if it, if you're into like philosophical cerebral heady ideas about like existence and storytelling and the function of myth then yeah this movie's right up your alley i also will say it is based on a short story um by some, a person named a.s Bayet, and it's called the Jinn in the nightingale's eye i did try to read it it okay. is exceptionally dense okay so this movie is at least true to the source material. Yeah, the movie is actually easier to understand than the source material. So, um, and it also was like behind a paywall, so I didn't finish it. Okay, but <laughs> what, what you've gleaned from it on our behalf, you can tell us that much. Okay, Yeah. so what is your number then? I'm going to give it a 6.4. Okay, I'm saying 5.2. 
And I'm okay. sad to say that because Fury Road is one of my absolute favorite movies ever. One of the ones that like when you're putting oh. channels, you'll stop on it and like be stuck the whole rest of the day watching it. And the rewatchability <laughs> factor on it is so, so, so high. Um, and yeah, I think it's like the greatest action film of all time. So it's the goat. It's the greatest of all time. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's it's just a, a very different gear for George Miller. But we we respect that. <laughs> the great Katie Walsh is back to help me understand the incredibly strange movie Funny Pages. This is a really weird movie. This is definitely not for everyone, but I'm glad that you are here to walk through it with me. What happens? I loved this movie. Did you? Okay, great. I, it It is the uh, debut of Owen Klein, who we should just say is the son of Kevin Klein and Phoebe Cates. Yep. And he came up working for the Safdie Brothers. So it has a lot of Safdie Brothers energy. They for are producers sure. on the film. Um, it is a coming of age story uh, starring Daniel Zolgradi. I don't know if I'm saying his name right. He's the kid from eighth grade, I think, with the chicken nuggets. <laughs> Remember him? Yes. <laughs> um, and he, I think this is a great like lead performance from him. It's a coming of age story about this kid who loses his teacher. He's an aspiring comic. And then he sort of is like trying to he's like this young artist who's like casting off his middle class comforts and seeking out a gritty starving artist life and he's you know 17 or something like that and he like moves out of his parents house and like into this horrible apartment and he's finds this guy who he's obsessed with like making him his mentor because he used to work at image comics and the guy who uh, is his would-be mentor is played by Matthew Marr who you might recognize from like our flag means death and he's a it's it's New York character actor central mm-hmm. and this film is it's a classic coming of age story but it is hilariously gross mm-hmm. absurd <laughs> ridiculous like wildly inappropriate <laughs> at times I was just laughing so hard and like knowing that it was just like completely off the wall. Um, but yeah, there's some really it's it's like gross out humor, coming of age story, and then also like kind of dashes of American splendor, like crumb, totally. because he is a comic artist in the vein of, you know, subversive mad magazine, like dirty comics kind of thing. It's so silly and weird, but I really loved it. And at its core, it's about lonely, isolated people trying to connect with each other. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, once you get past what is, it's so gross. It's so, there are so (laughs) many fluids in this movie that I don't even want to know where they came from. Yeah. At times. (laughs) It's very gross. I mean, and when you say he lives in an apartment, that's a really- It's not an apartment. description for the place that he ends up moving out. Like it's- it's not even. I, I don't want to say what it is, but I don't want to say what it is either. But it's it is like habitable. <laughs> it is like as soon as he walked in, I was like, no, no, <laughs> don't live there. And, and I think that like I think part of what makes this movie funny is like the things that are happening are so outlandish and repulsive and absurd and ridiculous but then his reaction is always just like kind of deadpan like this is normal and so Mm -hmm. i think it's like that kind of juxtaposition between like his reactions to things and like how outlandishly bad the things are that (laughs) was the humor for me um and like those little moments where he kind of realizes like oh no this is like really bad or i have to leave or whatever like those are the moments (laughs) they're like just a very few moments of clarity and it's weird because (laughs) 
the guy, the Matthew Marr character, he's a character named Wallace. He's kind of like a weird, edgy guy. He's He's got some mental health issues. He's troubled. But he becomes like the voice of reason <laughs> in the film where you're like, wait, he's the only one making any sense here. Yeah, there are the- a lot of situ- yeah, there's a lot of situations here where like, we know that the kid is in a really weird scene. Like we know how yes. wrong and bad things are and he can't see it because he has these delusions of maturity and grandeur in a way that kind of reminded me of Rushmore. There's yes. a lot of Max Fisher to this kid in that he, he's, and he's kind of arrogant. Totally. He, he's, he's got that. Like I wrote a hit play energy. <sighs> A lot of the time in here, like he's trying so hard to be grown up and, and he's not. And like the way he treats his parents played by Josh Pace and Maria Dizia, who are both so great in this, like they yeah. react. I felt them. I'm like, yes, they're right. <laughs> if I'd seen this a long time ago, I'd be like, oh, the kid, of course, he's independent. He wants to be on his own. And now I'm like the 50 year old mom going, who is this freak? Yes. Um, it is truly, truly independent. Although, as you mentioned, who Owen Klein's parents are, he also was the younger brother in The Squid and the Whale. Right. And so, um, yes, he has a lot of connections, but the vibe of this is so gritty and so intimate and feels so low budget in a way that's really exciting and is very, very Josh and Benny Safdie. You can Mm -hmm. feel that influence in like the look of it. There's like a texture to it. They shot on super 16 millimeter. Yeah. And that shows it feels of a different time. It feels of like the birth of independent film in the daring, in the chances that it takes, in its willingness to offend and go to places that are both bizarre and oddly touching. (laughs) Yes, yes. It does feel like early independent cinema. It's shot on Super 16 by Sean Price Williams and Hunter Zimney. And just the collection of New York character actors was a a joy to watch. (laughs) I'm like, these are like the people who God knows where they found them. Yeah. Um, And just like everything about the clothing, like the costume design and the production design, like it's very specific and really, really thought out to it's not condescending, but you feel the pathetic nature of everybody and everything here. And and I think they approach it in an affectionate way. There is kindness for these oddballs, but this film is really not for everybody. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a weird one, but I, I found it very funny. And if you're into that kind of energy and vibe, it'll be very enjoyable. Okay, so what's your number then? I'm giving it a 7.5. Okay. I'm going to say seven. So our number is somewhere in this mid seven range. Um, Funny pages is where it's theatrical because it's a 24, right? Yes. It's opening in theaters. Okay. Thank you, Katie. You are the best. You're at Katie Katie Walsh Walsh, STX on Twitter and Letterboxd. And thank you so much for having me. It was a blast. Love seeing you. Thank you for hanging out with me and filling in for Alonzo this week. Uh, Come back next week because we're going to have the recaps for the only murders in the building season two finale as well as some she hulk for you eventually in september we'll have a new off the menu poll for you guys to vote in and we've got all kinds of cool goodies next week a segment that i'm really pumped about and is very very close to my heart so come back for all that and uh we are at be fast all day on all the social places and we are patreon.com slash be fast all day if you want to do our tv stuff with us thanks for hanging out bye Bye.